Good morning and happy Sabbath to each of you out there. I want to welcome you to our online worship this morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for being here. I hope that you are having a blessed Sabbath so far. I hope you are doing well. I hope you had a great week. And I'm so happy to be with all of you here to worship God together this morning. And friends, I just want to encourage you once again, as usual, this is nothing new. Please go ahead and share your praises with us. I know God has been good to you this week. I know that God has been merciful and I know that God has been blessing you. And each and every day you can see God's blessings, friends. So please go ahead and share with us. Share with us how God has been good to you this week. Share with us what you are thankful for. Please, it really encourages us. And, you know, we read each and every comment and we are so encouraged when we see your praises there. And even people that are reading your praises, they will be encouraged as well. So please go ahead and share your praises with us on this wonderful Sabbath morning. And of course, I am going to share my praise as well. My praise this morning is just a simple praise. Well, you know, many times we seem to just bypass those simple praises. We think that, you know, it, it's not a big thing. It's just a small thing. But guess what, friends? All, even the small things matter to God. You know, when we give Him praise for the small things, it matters just as much as giving Him praise for the big things. And my praise for this morning is I want to praise God for good health. I want to praise God for strengthening me and sustaining my health. You know, part of my... Uh, a huge part of the ministry that I'm doing here is health work. You know, it, it involves a, a lot of treatment. It involves visiting sick people and, and, you know, doing treatments for them, doing natural remedies, helping them to get better. And on a weekly basis, or I can say on a daily basis, I am almost always surrounded by sick people. You know, people that have, that have fever, people that have cough or flu or just different sicknesses, right? And, and you know, we, we go there uh, to Lumba Subang there and, and we're trying to make them better, trying to cure them, okay? And also trying to share about Jesus. But, you know, I am surrounded by sick people. And even in church, you know, we have people that have been getting sick lately. But I just praise God for sustaining my health. You know, even though I'm with sick people, you know, I haven't gotten sick. You know, I, I've been healthy. I, I, I felt good. You know, He has sustained me. He has strengthened me so that I can continue to do the work. And so I just want to praise God for the blessings of good health, that I am well, that I'm healthy, that I can be here this morning to preach this message and I can continue the work that, that God has given me to do. So friends, what are your praises? Please, please go ahead and share with us what are you thankful for this morning? And this morning... The title of my sermon, as you can see there, is The Faith of Jesus. And this morning, we will be continuing our study on the book of James. If you remember the last time I preached, I told you that we will be uh, starting a series on the book of James. And the book of James has five chapters. Last week, we looked at, uh, the last time I, I preached, we looked at chapter 1, James chapter 1. And this morning, we will be focusing on James chapter 2. And James chapter 2, I have entitled this chapter, The Faith of Jesus. And so before we go into our study this morning, I'd like to invite you to bow your heads with me as we pray together. Let us pray and let us invite God's presence to be here with us. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for the gift of life. Thank you so much for the gift of good health. 
Thank you so much for this Sabbath day that you have blessed, that you have sanctified, that you have allowed us to come together and worship you. And Lord, as, as we come into your presence now, we pray that you would help us to humble our hearts. We pray that you would help us to have a heart that is willing to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that as we open your word, may you speak directly to us. May you convict us, Lord, of your truth. May you please help us, guide us into all truth. May you send the Holy Spirit here so that he can move us, so that he can guide us into all truth. And I pray that as a result, at the end of this message, we will know, Lord, what you are calling us to do. And I pray that you would help us to make that decision, whatever that decision is for you. Thank you so much, Lord, and we pray that you would bless us in this time. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So friends, as I have mentioned, the title of my sermon this morning is The Faith of Jesus, and we will be looking at James chapter 2. So please turn with me there, James chapter 2, as we begin in verse 1. James chapter 2 and verse 1, the Bible begins like this. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. Now here in James chapter 2, James begins by addressing the brethren. Now do you remember who the brethren are? Now we looked at this in chapter 1. In James chapter 1, we also saw that James was addressing the brethren. But who are the brethren? Well, let, re let me remind you. Let's go to the book of Hebrews as we find out. The book of Hebrews chapter 2 verse 11 says this, For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Now friends, from this verse, we see who the brethren are. Who are the brethren? The brethren are those who are sanctified. The brethren are those who have experienced sanctification. Or the brethren are those who are called to experience sanctification. So James is addressing the same group of people in chapter 1. He's addressing those who have been sanctified. He's addressing those who have been given the invitation to be sanctified, to experience sanctification in their lives. James is addressing the brethren. But now, what is James asking the brethren to do here? In verse 1, in James chapter 2 verse 1, James is asking the brethren to not have the faith of Jesus with respect of persons or partiality. He's telling them, I want you to have the faith of Jesus, but when you have the faith of Jesus, have it without respect of persons or without partiality. Now, what does the Bible tell us about partiality? Let's go to a few verses here. Romans chapter 2, verse 11, the Bible says this, For there is no respect of persons with God. Now, the Bible is very clear, friends. The Bible says that with God, with God, there is no respect of persons. In other words, God does not treat a person differently because they may have a higher position or because they may have more money or because they have things that others may not have. God does not treat someone based on who they are or what they have. God treats us all the same no matter who we are, no matter what we possess in life. Now, in James, uh, James chapter 2, verse 1, James is asking us, asking the brethren not to have the faith of Jesus with partiality, with respect of persons. In other words, friends, 
when you have the faith of Jesus, you will not be partial. When you have the faith of Jesus, you will not respect others while you, you know, treat others with contempt. You will treat everyone the same. Everyone will, you know, you will look at everyone through the eyes of Jesus. You will treat everyone the same no matter who they are. This, regardless of, you know, their riches or their position in life, you will treat all of them the same. You will not treat people differently. But who is it that has the faith of Jesus? Notice what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 12. The Bible says this, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Friends, who are those people that have the faith of Jesus? This verse is talking about the saints. It's talking about the 144,000. They are the ones described as having the faith of Jesus at the end of time. They are the ones that have perfected having the faith of Jesus. But this also means that the 144,000, they have learned not to treat others with partiality. They have learned not to have respect for persons. They have learned to treat every single person the same. You see, friends, if we want to be part of this special group of the 144,000, James is asking us in this chapter so far not to have partiality. If we want to have the faith of Jesus, we must not have partiality in our lives. This is crucial for us to understand so that we can obtain the faith of Jesus. And in this chapter, James is going to describe to us more about what is the faith of Jesus. What does it mean to have the faith of Jesus? How can we have the faith of Jesus today? Now, in the next few verses, James is going to give us a practical example of what it means to be partial. And perhaps you can relate to this example, but if not, perhaps you can relate to another example that is in line with it. So let's look at this example as we continue our study this morning. James chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Notice this. The Bible says, For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring, in goodly apparel, and there also come and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the great clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place and say to the poor, stand out there or sit here under my footstool. Now James here is giving us a scenario to help us understand partiality. Let's say one day there are two people that come to your church. The, the, the one person is a rich person. You know, as he comes to your church, you see that he wears a nice suit, right? He, his, his clothes are nice. His clothes are branded. They're expensive. He comes in a nice car. He comes, you know, smelling nice and, and looking nice, you know, and he's well-dressed. And you recognize that this person is rich. This person must have a good paying job. This person must have a good position. And the other person that comes in is a poor person. Now, this poor person comes in and, you know, this poor person is wearing ragged clothes. His clothes are torn. You know, he, he, he this person looks like he, he hasn't showered in a while and, you know, perhaps he, he doesn't smell too good, but he comes into church. And as these two people come into church, there is a tendency, or at least James is helping us to understand, that there is a tendency in our human nature to treat the rich, rich person well and the poor person badly. I mean, 
He's saying that naturally, we will treat the person that dresses well and, and looks well and you know has a high position better than the person that is poor, than the person that has no job, that has no money, that comes in with bad clothes. But friends, that is partiality. You see, there is a tendency for us to respect and treat people who are above us, right? Who have a good position, who have a good job. And it's, there's a tendency for us to, to look down on those that are poor, those that are below us, those that are perhaps not doing so well in life. You see, this is what James is saying here. He's helping us to understand that this is partiality. When we do that, friends, this is an example of partiality. But notice what the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3. The Bible says this, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. You see, friends, this is how we should live. The Bible says that we must be humble. Let nothing be, be done through strife or vain glory. Nothing to be done for self, but we must be humble. We must esteem others better than ourselves. And yes, friends, that includes the poor. That includes people that are below us. That includes people that have no jobs, people that have no homes. We must treat them even better than ourselves. That is what the Bible is saying here. We must treat everyone, everyone the same, or better yet, we must treat everyone better than ourselves, especially those that are under us. But friends, what is the result of being partial? What is the, ne the, the, the negative consequence of being partial? Let's continue reading in the book of James. James chapter 2 and verse 4. Notice what the Bible says. Are ye not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? So here James is helping us to understand the result of being partial. What happens when we are partial, when we behave partially, when we practice partiality in our lives? You see, when we behave that way, firstly, we don't have the faith of Jesus. That is very clear because James is telling us that if we want to have the faith of Jesus, we must not be partial. But what else happens when we practice partiality? The verse here says that we become judges of evil thoughts. We become what? Judges of evil thoughts. Now, what does it mean that we are judges of evil thoughts? How does becoming partial help uh, lead you to become a judge of evil thoughts? Now, let's take the example that James gave us earlier. When we look at the rich person, and we look at the poor person, and we treat them differently, you know, there is something that is going on in our minds. There, there, there are thoughts that are running through our minds as we look at the poor person, as we look at the rich person, and as we treat them in a different way. Well, what goes in our minds? Let me give you some examples. You know, let's take the poor person for example. When the poor person comes to church and the poor person is dressed poorly and, you know, he, he doesn't look too good and, you know, he, he just comes and, you know, he, he probably just makes everyone feel uncomfortable. So in your mind, you know, you will be thinking, why does this person have to dress like this coming to church? Does this person not know that he has to dress well when he comes to church? Why is this person coming to my church? This person is making my church look bad. This person is making others feel uncomfortable. This person doesn't smell too good. 
this person is destroying the reputation of my church. Perhaps those are thoughts that are running through your mind and you start thinking negatively about this person. You start condemning this person. You start thinking all the bad things about this person. And then friends, you become judges of evil thoughts. While you think highly of the rich person and you think all good things about the rich person, you will think badly about the poor person. And you become judges of evil thoughts. Your mind starts judging and condemning this this person just because of the state that he is in. And so friends, when we are partial, we become judges of evil thoughts. But now you may be sitting there and you may think, that's not me. I'm not partial to the poor and to the rich. I don't treat, treat uh, rich people that way. I don't treat poor people that way. That doesn't apply to me. And that may be true. But you see, friends, there are other ways that we can be partial as well. Maybe in your church, or maybe in your workplace, or maybe at the place that you are living, there are people that you prefer, people that you like, and then there are people that you dislike. Perhaps there are people that you, that, that you just can't stand. People who annoy you. People that make you angry. People whose presence just you know, makes you boil within. As soon as you hear them speak, you get angry. As soon as you hear their name, you get angry because you dislike this person. You dislike the way this person acts. You dislike the way this person makes you feel. You dislike that person. But what happens? Do you treat them differently? Do you treat them with respect? Do you still show them respect and love? Or are you partial? Do you only treat those who you like nicely and well? And then those that you, don't, that you dislike, you treat them poorly. You, you cast them aside. You don't even say hi to them. You know, you look at them and you have all these negative thoughts and that bitterness within. Is that, is that the case, friends? You see, we can become partial in that way as well. And, the, and friends, the fact, this fact is true. There are, in our circle, there are people that we like, people that we hang with, people that we're close with, and then there are people that we're not so close with, people that perhaps, you know, we don't really cl click well, and perhaps they annoy us. But how do we treat them? Do we treat them the same? Do we treat them with respect? Do we still show love to them? Because friends, if we don't, then we are still practicing partiality. We are still being partial. We are still becoming judges of evil thoughts and we will not have, we cannot obtain the faith of Jesus. See friends, this is also partiality. But let's continue reading and let's see what, J what else James has to tell us. James chapter 2 and verse 5. He says, Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he had promised to them that love him? Now James here is talking about the poor, and notice what he says about them. He says that the poor in this world, they are rich in what? They, they are rich in faith. They have a lot of faith. And the opposite may be true. The rich in this world may not be rich in faith. The rich in this world many times are poor in their faith. Now why is it that the poor are rich in faith and the rich in the world are poor in faith? Notice this verse. Revelation 3 verse 17, the Bible says, Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, 
and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. You see, the reason why the rich is poor in faith is because they do not realize their need for it. The rich think that they have everything. They look at their possession, they look at their money, they look at the things that they have, and they think, you know what, I have need of nothing. I have everything that I've ever wanted. What else do I need? But sadly, they do not realize their need for faith. They do not see that they are in dire need of faith. And they will not ask for faith. They will not go to Jesus for faith because they don't realize their need for it. And as a result, they will be poor in faith. But you see, the poor, they are rich in faith. Why? Because they realize their need. They see that they have nothing. They see that they have no possessions. They see that they need Jesus. They realize their need for Him. They realize their need for faith. And they go to Jesus. They ask Him for that faith. And so the poor, they are rich in faith. They are rich in faith compared to the rich who are poor in their faith. But friends, what must we do to receive faith? Notice the next verse. Revelation 3.18 It says that I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eyesalve that thou mayest see. Friends, how can we have that faith today? We must buy it from Jesus. Jesus invites us to come to go and buy it from Him. But let me ask you this question. How can the poor buy faith if they have no money? Right? How can they buy something if they are poor, if they have no money? Well, friends, they simply have to ask Jesus, and Jesus will give it to them freely. They must be willing to humble themselves and ask Jesus for faith. And so, friends, if we want to be rich in faith, all we have to do is go to Jesus. All we have to do is ask Jesus for faith and He will give it to Him. We must humble ourselves before Him and ask Him for faith. You see, that's what it means to buy from Jesus. It means to go to Him. It means to ask of Him. It means to humble ourselves before Him and ask Him for faith. But before we can do that, friends, remember, we must realize our need. Unless we realize our need for faith, we will not go to Jesus and ask Him for it. We must realize first our need for Jesus and our need for faith. And you see, this is why James is making a comparison between the rich person and the poor person. We may treat the rich person better because outwardly they look good, they look great, they have a lot of possessions, but inwardly they are poor in faith. While the poor person on the other hand, while they may look bad on the outside, inwardly they are rich in faith. They have so much more faith compared to the rich in this world. Well, let's continue reading James chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. The Bible says, But you have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which you are called? Now, James is saying here that we have despised the poor. Right? And how do we despise them? In the example that he gave us, we treat them badly. We treat them with partiality. We despise them. But notice what he says about the rich. The rich are the ones that oppress us and afflict us. 
The rich are the ones that give us a hard time. Right? James is helping us to reason within ourselves and as to why we should not be treating the rich with partiality. We should not be giving respect to the rich because, you know, they are the ones that are giving us a hard time. Many times it's the rich person that has a worldly mind. And as soon as he has an opportunity to afflict you, to do bad to you, as soon as he is threatened, guess what? He will oppress you. He will do bad things to you because of his love for money, of his love for possessions. They are the ones that oppress us and give us a hard time. So friends, there is no virtue, there is no benefit in us treating the rich with partiality. There is no benefit in us treating those that are above us with partiality. There is none. And so James is telling us that we need to treat every single person the same. Well, let's continue. Verses 8 and 9. If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convicted of the law as transgressors. Now notice here, James is bringing out the royal law. And friends, what is the royal law? There's only one law in the Bible that is royal. And that is the Ten Commandments, friends. But how do I know for sure that this is the Ten Commandments? Because in the verses that we just read, it mentions loving our neighbors as ourselves. And friends, there's only one law that contains those phrase, that phrase. It's the Ten Commandments, right? It's the last six commandments. We must love our neighbor as ourselves. So this is none other than the Ten Commandments that James is bringing out. But why does James bring out the Ten Commandments? What is it that he's trying to tell us? You see, James wants us to understand that the temptation to be partial leads to the sin of not loving your neighbor. Let me say that again. When we are partial in the way we treat others, it will lead to us not loving our neighbor. Guess what? When we are partial to the rich, we treat the, the, the rich uh, better than the poor. Who are we not loving? We are not loving the poor. And guess what? The poor, they are our neighbors as well. And if we are not loving our neighbors as ourselves, we commit sin. We are breaking the law of God. And so friends, when we are partial, when we are partial in our treatment towards others, we are breaking God's law. We are not loving our neighbor as ourselves. We are breaking the Ten Commandments. Notice the next verse. James chapter 2, verse 10. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Now, why is it that James is bringing this point out all of a sudden? He says that if we break one commandment, we break all the commandments. Do you know what James is trying to say? He's trying to tell us that the law of God is not partial. Let me say that again. The law of God is not partial. If you break one commandment, it's as if you are breaking all the commandments of God. If you are guilty, if we are guilty of not loving our neighbor as as ourselves, it's as if we are breaking all the other commandments. We break all ten commandments. You see, to God, there is no such thing as this commandment is better than this commandment, uh, and this command is better than this command. No, to God, they're all equal. They're all of equal importance. We must keep all of them. It's either we keep all ten of them, 
or we break all of them. So to God, the law is not partial. But when we are partial towards others and we don't love our neighbor as ourselves, we break the law. Which law? All of them. Because God's law is not partial. If you break one, guess what? You are breaking all of them. Notice James 2 verse 11. For he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now if you commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, you are become a transgressor of the law. Now James is quoting here from the Ten Commandments, and he's showing us that all the laws are equal. If you keep one, if you keep all nine, but you break one, guess what? You are breaking all of them. It's as if we are breaking all. And here's the thing that we must understand, friends. You see, with God, there is no 90% when it comes to keeping His law. There is no 95%. There is no 99%. God wants us to keep all His law. He, it doesn't matter to Him if we keep 8 or 9, right? In, in the, the eyes of others, that's good. You keep 8 out of 10, you keep 9 out of 10, that's a good achievement. But to God, it means nothing. To God, it means that we are breaking all the other commandments. To God, it's either we keep all the commandments or none at all. You see, friends, God requires 100%. He doesn't want 90%, nor 95%. He wants us not to be partial. He wants us to go all out in keeping His law. He wants us to keep all 10 of them. And that is what James is helping us to see. The law of God is not partial. And so we must keep all the, all the, the, the commandments of God, but this includes loving our neighbors ourselves. It includes not being partial towards others. Notice James chapter 2, verse 12. So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. Knowing that the law is not partial, and knowing that we are being judged by the law, what is our response? James is asking us to speak and to act accordingly. Knowing, friends, that we are living now under the judgment hour, where our lives are under investigation, we are called to act differently. We are called to live our lives differently. And in the context of James chapter 2, what does it mean that we should live our lives differently? We must not be partial. We must not have respect for persons. We must treat every single person the same, no matter who they are, no matter what they have. We must not be partial. Let's continue. James chapter 2, verse 13. It says here, For he shall have judgment without mercy, that, showed, that had showed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. Now what is James saying here? This is a concept that we find in the Gospels as well. Let's go to the book of Matthew and let's look at another concept so that we can better understand what James is telling us here. Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. He says, the Bible says, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Friends, this is the same concept. If we don't forgive, what happens to us? When we ask for forgiveness from God, God will not forgive us. Why? Because we do not forgive our debtors. We are only forgiven as we forgive those who sin against us. 
In the same way, when we are partial towards others, when we don't show mercy towards others, when we treat others, some with respect, some with contempt, guess what? God will do the same to us. When we don't show mercy to, to others, God will not show mercy to us. When we treat others with partiality, God will treat us with partiality as well. Friends, this is a concept that we must understand. right? How can we expect mercy from God, forgiveness from God, when we don't extend it to others? When there are some people that we choose to just bypass, that we choose to, to not show mercy, God will do the same to us. Notice what the book of 1 John says. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 17, the Bible says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. So the Bible says that in the day of judgment, we can be bold, we can have boldness. But how? We can have confidence in the fact that we have been like Christ. We can have confidence in judgment because we have been merciful just like Christ. We have been just like He is. And friends, we can have, we can have confidence. We can stand in the day of judgment knowing that we have been like Jesus, that we have been merciful just like Him. Now let's go to the book of James and let's continue the rest of the chapter. James chapter 2, verse 14. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he had faith <clears throat> and hath not works? Can faith save him? Now James is going back to the topic of faith. Remember that this, that this chapter is about the faith of Jesus. James is teaching us what it means to have the faith of Jesus. And so he goes back to the topic of faith. But now he is repeating and enlarging this topic of faith. And here James is asking us a rhetorical question. Can a man who says he has faith, yet he has no works, be saved? What do you think is the answer? Obviously not. No, he will not be saved. His lack of works will condemn him. You see, faith without works is meaningless. And now James is going to give us another example to prove this point. He's going to show us another example as to why faith without works is meaningless. Let's go to the example. Verses 15 and 16. He says, If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Friends, I hope you understand the illustration that James is giving us here. What benefit or what profit does it give to a person? If they come to us and they tell us, I need food, I need clothes, I, I, I need a place to stay. And all we do is tell them, oh, God bless you, God be with you, be warm, be filled, go your way, God will be with you. Friends, what, what benefit does it give them? The only thing that probably help, that we can help them is, you know, maybe they just feel nice. Oh, this person gave me some encouragement. Oh, this person just gave me some words of hope. But in terms of fulfilling their need, we did nothing. We have faith, but without works. Do you see that, friends? We do not help them. We do not profit them. We do not benefit them in any way. It does not help them 
at all. And so this is the same thing with faith without works. If we only have faith, we say we have faith, we profess belief, but we have no works to show our, for our faith, then it's all in vain. Then it's meaningless. Then it brings no benefit at all. Notice verse 17. Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Friends, this is why faith without works is dead. Faith without works is meaningless. If we only say we have faith, if we only say we believe in Jesus, if we only profess belief in Jesus, but our works do not show that, then what good does our faith do? Our faith is meaningless. See friends, this is the connection between faith in the law and the works of charity. Faith is referring to the faith of Jesus and the works are referring to the works of charity. The faith of Jesus means to not be partial. But guess what? Our faith, if we truly have the faith of Jesus, it will be shown in our works of charity. It will be shown in the fact that we are not partial. It will be shown in the fact that we minister to the needs of others, especially those who are poor, who are needy, who really need our help. This is what it means to have the faith of Jesus. It means to look at the, the, the needs of the people, but not just to say good things to them, but to truly fill them, to truly bring benefit to them, to minister to their needs. Notice the next few verses. James chapter 2, verses 18 to 20. The Bible says this, <clears throat> Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works, Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? You see, friends, when we only say that we have faith, we only say that we believe in Jesus or we profess belief in Him, but we have no works to show for it, James is telling us that we are no better than the angels or the demons. Do you know that they have faith? They believe that Jesus is God. They know that Jesus is the Son of God. They believe in God. They believe in the power of God and they tremble. The demons, the devil tremble because of, of their, their belief in, in Jesus. But guess what? The devil, the demons, they have no, they, they have no works. They have no good works. And so if we only say that we believe in Jesus, but we have no works, then we are just like the devils. We are just like the demons. You see, profession or believe in God's word is not enough. It must be shown through our works. And friends, let me make something very clear here. I am not preaching about being saved by works. We are not saved by our works. We can never save ourselves. Nothing we do in this world can earn us a place in heaven. Let me make that very clear. But also let me make this clear, that if we say we have faith, the natural result is that we will have good works as well. If you have the faith of Jesus, you will have good works. Naturally, you will produce good works. It is impossible for us to have faith and not have good works. And so if we say we have faith, but we don't have good works, guess what? We don't really have faith. That is what James is helping us to understand. 
if we receive the faith of Jesus, it is only natural that we will be like Him, that we will have good works like Him. Our works are an evidence of our faith. Friends, I hope that is clear. I hope that you understand if we have faith today, we will show it by our good works. Now in closing, James is going to give us two examples from the Bible, two examples of characters from the Bible who, who say that, that they had faith, but also showed their faith by their works. Let's look at the first example. James chapter 2, 21 to 23, the Bible says this, Was not Abraham our father justified by, by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Now the first person that James brings up is Abraham. Now why Abraham? Because Abraham believed God, but not only that, he acted upon it. He had works to show for his faith. And how did Abraham manifest his faith? It was in the ultimate sac sacrifice of Isaac. It was shown, his faith and belief and trust in God was shown when he was willing to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Well, not his only son, but the promised son, Isaac. You see, Abraham had faith. He believed, but he showed it by his works as well. Let's look at the other example. James chapter 2. 24 to 26. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works, when she had received the messengers, and had, and had sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Now the second person that James brings up is Rahab. Now why Rahab? Because Rahab believed the words of the spies, of the messengers. Right? The messengers came to her house and told her that God was going to destroy Jericho. And she believed that word. She hid the messengers and let them escape. She showed her faith by her works. She showed that she believed in the words of the messengers by hiding them and letting them escape. And as a result, she and her whole family were saved in the destruction of Jericho. You see, friends, she is another example of someone who had good faith and also good works. She manifested her faith by her good works. See, friends, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Our faith is meaningless if we have no good works. We do not have true faith if we do not produce good works in our lives. And friends, this is what it means to have the faith of Jesus. It means not to be partial in our treatment towards others. It means loving our neighbors as ourselves. It means to keep all the commandments of God because the law of God is not partial. And it means to have good works, which are an evidence of our faith. Friends, as we are living in this judgment hour, our very lives are being judged from day to day. And today, God expects us to come up higher. He expects us to live differently from the rest of the world. And that begins by the way we treat others. That begins by the way we treat those below us. Begins by the way we treat those that we do not like. 
that annoy us, that make us angry, that, you know, we struggle with loving. It begins when we show mercy and love and respect to those people. It begins, friends, when we love our neighbor as ourselves. See, friends, it's easy to profess belief in God. Anyone can say it. Anyone can say, I believe in Jesus. I love Jesus. It's easy. Talk is cheap. How can we show that we love Jesus? How can we show that we truly believe in Him? It's through our works. Friends, my question to you this morning is, do you have good works? Do, you, do our lives testify that we truly love and believe in Jesus? Do we have our good works to show that we have true faith? This is the question that we need to ask ourselves today. And friends, how many of you today, how many of you want to have the faith of Jesus? How many of you today want to live the same way Jesus lived when He was on earth? How many of you want to produce good works in your lives so that you can be a blessing to others, so that you can treat others with mercy and love and respect, and so that you can show love to the people around you, to every single person, especially those that you struggle with loving. Friends, if that is your decision, then let us re-surrender our lives to Jesus today. Let us allow Him to transform us. Let us ask Him to give us His faith so that we can live like Him. Let us invite Jesus to live in us so that we can live the life that He wants us to live. Friends, I hope and I pray that that is your desire and your decision this morning. And let us pray as we close here and let us ask Jesus to give us His faith. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for being with us in this study. Thank you, Lord, so much for the reminder that we need to have the faith of Jesus, that we need to experience a transformation. And Lord, we know that you are expecting us today to come up higher. You are expecting us today to live as Jesus lived, to show mercy and love to, to every single person out there and not to be partial. We know that you are calling us to produce good works because that is just the evidence of our faith. And Lord Jesus, we are asking today, give us your faith. Help us to live the same way you lived when you were on this earth. May you help us, Lord, to keep all your commandments because we know your law is not partial. Help us today to be a blessing to the people around us. Help us to show love and mercy to every single person that you will bring in our path. And Lord, I just pray that you will continue to bless us. Help us, Lord, to fully surrender to you and may you live in each one of our lives so that we can live the life that you want us to live. We thank you so much for this time. We thank you so much for hearing and for answering our prayers. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, thank you so much once again for joining us, and I hope that you will have a blessed rest of the Sabbath day. God bless each and every one of you. Take care, stay safe, stay healthy. Until we meet again, be faithful to God always. Take care, friends, and see you soon.